Is your customer community helping to reduce churn? Is your customer community helping to increase renewal opportunities? Is your customer community taking high-risk accounts and converting them into raving fans or great customers? Whatever your terminology is, we've all got one of those of what we call our favorite customers and happy customers. So get that together. This is The Anonymous Marketer, a podcast where we tackle the biggest questions from the B2B marketing community. But instead of bringing on guests for a quick chat, every question comes from an anonymous source. These are the questions B2B marketers have but are afraid to ask. Let's start the conversation. Hey, I'm Nick Bennett. And I'm excited to get into this episode and dive into some of the new anonymous questions that we received. But before we get into it, I wanted to do my part and highlight our supporters. In fact, the average employee sends around 10,000 emails per year. That means a company with 100 employees sends over 1 million emails annually. That's 1 million missed opportunities to showcase your brand, grow your funnel, and close more deals. OpenSense turns every employee email into a beautifully branded targeted ad channel that returns 4 to 7% CTR on average. Now, the best part, it's one simple platform to manage email signatures, promote upcoming events, distribute content, and more on Outlook and Gmail. No manual work, no tedious targeting, just better campaigns all at scale. Sign up for a demo at OpenSense.com and get 10% off today. As marketers, we want to create content that enables our sales team to win deals. But 70% of the content that we create for sales never gets used. It's a waste of time and energy. But it doesn't have to be this way. And that's why you should know about Alego. Alego is an all-in-one sales enablement platform designed to help revenue teams reach their full potential. Alego makes it easy for sellers to share content in the field with the right context. And it helps drive sales and marketing alignment. It increases collaboration. It optimizes messaging. And more importantly, it gets you more closed one deals. To learn more, visit alego.com. If you're a marketer, it's likely you have attribution data spread across spreadsheets, your CRM, your marketing automation platform, and other places. With data all over the place, it's hard to understand what drives the highest quality leads. And that's why I want to tell you about Hockey Stack. After adding one single line of code to your website, HockeyStack gives your company the ability to turn your marketing, sales, revenue, and product data into a unified picture. HockeyStack provides the analytics and attribution data your B2B company actually deserves. Get a free trial, and in five minutes, you can start using the product. Sign up today at HockeyStack.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome to The Anonymous Marketer. I'm your host, Nick Bennett. Today, we're going to explore two questions about communities and when and where this fits into your company's marketing strategy. I have my good friend, Katie Ray, with me today to help me out. Katie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. I am so excited for the conversation today and just diving in. These questions are just top-notch, so I'm very excited. Amazing. All right. So to get us started, let me talk about how we got these questions. So the two questions today came from our website. In order to submit a question for the show, you can go to motionagency.io slash anonymous, and you'll see a form where you can submit your most pressing question. Nothing's off the table. We've already got like 50 or 60 questions so far. 
So we'll have enough content for many months to come. And so the reason that I group these questions together is because they have to deal with community and how this integrates with a broader marketing strategy. And Katie, I knew you provide an interesting perspective on these types of questions because, I mean, ultimately, you are the head of community at Metadata. It's a company, you know, I'm very familiar with, big fan of. So I am excited. So why don't we jump into this first question? And so a couple things to keep in mind with this anonymous source. And, you know, for those that may be new to listening, I like to break down like the type of individual. Again, I don't know who this is, but the type of individual that has submitted this question. So this person works at a B2B SaaS company, so we can definitely relate. And they're on a marketing team of two to five people. Question is, community is a big part of our company's plan in 23. But if your company doesn't have a dedicated community yet and hasn't really even started, what are the first few things you would do to get the ball rolling as a marketer? So, you know, Katie, this seems like this person's just getting started with community. It can be tough to prioritize on what to actually focus on first. So before we get into the steps, can you define what community means to you from the perspective of a B2B marketer at a SaaS company? Yeah, absolutely. And my definition could be very different from everyone else's. So I'll just give that caveat of all of this I'm sharing is just from personal experiences. I am not an expert. I don't want to be an expert. I just always want to keep learning. So just keep that in mind. But for me, community, it's a group of people with some level of a shared identity. Now, that's super vague because what you'll see on LinkedIn and all over the places, it's an audience that's been converted or it's people engaging with each other. And some of those are aspects of of what a community is. But I think especially in, in relation to this question, you have to define like what that community looks like for you. So for us at Metadata in at my time at Sales Hacker and Cleary, it was always a group of people that wanted to do something different. So at Sales Hacker was a group of sellers that were tired of how we used to do sales and wanted to move into a new era of how we did sales. No more little black book on the golf course, but a more team environment, which is very interesting for sales, but it, we're getting there. And then same thing at Cleary, it was a customer community. So the shared identity that they had was they were all customers. And they were all wanting to figure out how to use the platform better. And then at Metadata, it's all demand gen marketers that are wanting to get better at what they do. And so for them, every aspect of what we build in the community is is built by the community in the sense of it's all going towards that one goal. So that for me, like that's kind of how I think of community is in its people working towards something. It's some level of an action. And this is a big differentiator, whereas an audience, they're just consuming it. There's really no further action from that. Whereas in a community, there is. They're not just consuming, but they're engaging and they're responding and they're sharing and they're having deeper conversations. So I think that's like so important for you to figure out as you're starting out in understanding like what you want your community to actually look like. It's such a good point too, because I feel like, and I mean, I'm one, I love the community that you all have. I am in it as well. If anyone's, you know, wondering, I think it's something that all marketers should be a part of. But, you know, I have also been focused on community, not as much lately, but like, I think it's more so, I mean, you kind of nailed the definition of it, but I think it's so interesting how community has accelerated in a certain degree with like the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, Think about, you know, people think of community as like, maybe it's just a Slack channel, but there's so much more to it. And I'm so curious, like, 
At what stage was the community at Metadata when you joined in July of last year? Yeah, it was still very much conceptualized. Like, and, and if you, if the folks who haven't heard the story, it was pretty funny. I was working at Clear. I got this message from Jason and got a message from our, our CEO, Gil. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I'll take a call. If it's not for me, no big deal, but I may know somebody. And I hit it off with them and I was just like, man, this is amazing. They're quirky. They're different. They're doing things differently. Let's get into this. And whenever I came on that first call that I had, I remember talking to my husband after like, what the hell did I just sign up for? Because Jason was like, we're building a community in three weeks. And I was like, well, how long is your hiring process? Like, what are we like? Am I jumping into there's already a community built? Because I'm not a fan of that. And we can talk about that later, but I think there's a lot of worry whenever something's in a situation like that. And so through more and more conversation, it was amazing to see the taxonomy that I was going to have because Jason and Mark and the team were just like, you're the expert in this. We want you to build what you think. And so I came in and they said, we want a demand gen community. We've got a list of customers, friends, peers that are excited about this. They're going to be our beta, but like you go for it. You figure out the timeline, you get that going. And so literally after my first week, which was our marketing team offsite, you know, so I'm going in, I'm like, I don't know anything. And I don't know who these people are, but they're driving me to Estes Park <laughs> in like, we're having dinner. And literally that first week after we got the marketing, ch- the Slack channel set up and started getting people in and I started connecting with them and just seeing the excitement for it. So what I loved about that and kind of to that first question, when you're getting started, you really should have a community expert come in, whether it be consult to set up or try and hire someone if you can, because you want someone who knows what they're doing or knows enough that they can get started. Otherwise, it's going to turn into another like marketing platform that's going to be promo, 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 and it's not going to be about the members and their shared identity. So that was a really cool thing. Jason and the team got out of my way and said, you do this. And I'm so thankful for that because that, that is not the case at 90% of organizations. And I think that's why so many communities turn into promo or a huge push for sponsorships and it's all spam all the time. And so I think that's something that you, for the first question, you really got to consider that. Yeah, it, it's a really good point because myself, Arthur Castillo and Joel Premack, we tried to start revenue area. And I mean, we bring up a good point of like needing like someone that like does this, that can like dedicate their time to this because we all had our own things. And like, one, we just couldn't keep up with it. Like we couldn't keep up with the registration. We couldn't keep up with yeah. like making it engaging for members. And it's still active. I mean, again, we don't have like, we're not really putting anything towards this kind of out there. If people want to join, ask questions, cool. But it's tough. Like when you don't have that dedicated resource or that, expert that could come in and like help you get it off the ground. It's one, I mean, that's probably another reason why a lot of these communities fail is you just don't have, you don't have the strategy in place. And we didn't have the strategy in place. We just thought it would be a fun place for revenue people to get together and talk, but it's so much more than that. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm so curious on this because I love your experience and to help people out kind of from an actionable way, when you were starting to do this in your first 30, 60, 90 days, with metadata, what did it actually like look like? Like, what were you tasked to do right from the start? Yeah. So back to that independence, they were like, just build it. And so I had to figure out what I wanted that to look like. And luckily, I had consulted and I had built some from the ground up in smaller communities. And so I felt comfortable with that. 
And there's amazing communities for community managers with so many support tools and methods and, and everything that you need. But kind of going and starting with strategy, I think having a strategy is really important. Nisha from Gong, I've had some conversations with her. And one of the things I love about what they're doing at Gong is Nisha's very much like, let's come up with an idea. Let's come up with a couple goals, a measurable time frame. If we hit them, we go path A. If we don't, we go path B and we keep adjusting. So the strategy isn't what you would see for like product development or engineering where it's very specific focus and you say, okay, month one to two, we're going to hit these five measures and then we're going to build it off sprints. It's a whole, you know, it's not much of that because a lot of it's really testing focus in where community is so unique and where you have to have executive buy-in really before you get started is you're working with people and people change. People ebb and flow. They come into your community. They come out of your community. They just need to know that you're going to be there no matter what step of life that you're in. So your strategy has to match with that. So when we started this, our strategy, I came in thinking, I'm going to write it all out. I'm going to build this all out. And I started doing that. And the more and more that with these folks and the more people I, I talked with and, you know, I come from sales. So I don't, I never really spent time with marketers. I just thought they were like weird kombucha people. And so like <laughs> I had to kind of change that perspective. And I'm so glad I did, but I learned that my strategy had to be quite flexible and had to shift and change with as, as things were changing as well. And so you kind of start laying out that strategy. You start to plan out like where you want to go from there. And so for me, if I'm starting a brand new community, I ask, is there a need? Who wants this? Is it my executives telling me that we need a community because everyone has a community. We all want to be like Salesforce. I literally had this conversation when I was interviewing with our CEO, Gil, who is outstanding. And I was so scared because I was meeting with our CEO and, you know, that's kind of like a make or break type conversation. And he's like, you know, what? I want to be like Salesforce. And I was like, Gil, you don't want to be like Salesforce. You don't want to build a trailblazer community. He's like, well, I do. Why not? And I was like, because you're not going to give me millions of dollars. You're not going to give me a team of 30 people. You're not going to give me 10 years to plan this. Like you want returns today. You don't want to spend a lot of money. And it's just me. And I don't have that infrastructure to build that. And so having a, that like realistic understanding, making sure that there's a need, making sure you've got executive buy-in, that's huge because later on you're going to go and ask for more money. You're going to ask for headcount and you need them to say like, okay, we're cool with this. We've seen your strategy. We've seen where you're wanting to go. You've proven on the little things. And so like, that's all kind of like under, is there a need? And then from there, is there a plan for resources? So back to that executive buy-in. Is there internal support? This is like, wildly, 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 wildly important because what'll happen is you'll get in and everyone's going to be excited and everyone's going to say, oh, we love community. You're going through the interviews. They're so excited. They think it's so important. You start asking like what communities your peers are in and like what they like about it. You get all this feedback and then you finally ask for help and no one else is going to help you because they have other KPIs that they're reporting to. And so while they're excited about it, they're not your team. And so they're not going to help you. So you have to figure out like what is the actual plan for resources from the executive leadership team and from a budget standpoint, because they're going to expect crazy things from you. They're going to expect you to grow to 10,000 members and, and it's one person. And if you're anything like me, you send welcome messages, you send follow up messages, you have a tracker of everything. You comment on every single post that's in the community. Like, it's a lot of work. And so you have to figure out 
do the expectations that they have align to the resources that they're willing to provide? And so I think that's super important as you're getting started. And then it's like the fun stuff. Where do you want your community? Do they have a budget for a platform? And platform evaluations, like that's its own thing. And it's so much fun. But it's also a big make or break because if you start on Slack and then you want to move to a platform later on, like then you have to figure out if you can migrate because if you migrate, you're going to lose about 20% of the, of the members. And so you have to kind of figure out what that process is going to look like. But even more so, you have to figure out for my community, is it a customer community? Is it an industry community? Is it like a developer community, a Web3 community? Like who's this really for? And that kind of goes to, is there a need at the very beginning? But then you also have to say, how do I meet them where they're at? So I have the least amount of friction to get them to engage in that community. So for us on Slack, everyone has Slack. It's either Slack or Teams. And so, or they're a part of Slack group. So we're going to be on their little, on the left side, you know, and they'll see notifications. And so like, that's something to think about. I remember Modern Sales Pros, it started out as an email chain, which was horribly obnoxious. And many of us put it in a folder and we would check it when we wanted to. But it worked because a lot of us, I don't even think Slack was like a super big thing when that started almost 10 years ago or eight years ago. And so you kind of have to figure out where my members are going to be and then kind of start from there. So there's a lot of things. So I hope that helps. But <laughs> no, no, it was it was super actionable, honestly. And it's, it's, really, it's actually kind of interesting. And I actually like that you push back on like Gil a little bit because again, like so many executives want like that Ferrari, like they, yeah. they want to get there, but it's like, if you're not going to give me Ferrari money, yeah, I'm not going to be able to afford a Ferrari. Like, and, and I think it, like lots of people, especially if you're in the interview process, like, and I've, I've seen this before and I've talked to people. And I mean, I've even done this like earlier in my career where it's like, I just say yes. And, yeah. and again, you shouldn't do that because yeah. then when you can't deliver on those results, it yeah. just comes back on you as a marketer and you're like, oh, like, sorry, like we actually can't do this. We can't do this. And then like the team's like, well, what did we hire you for then? You know, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think especially younger in our careers, that's, you know, I mean, I remember some of my sales interviews and I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm like, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. And I and my husband's been in sales forever. And I remember calling him and being like, what do I, what, how do I handle this objection? Like, there's no internal enablement. I don't even know what to do. So I'm like, thank God for corporate bro. So I'm like looking at everything and, 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 you know, but I also think too, I don't ever want anyone to be discouraged by the fact that they may not be able to do it. Like there were definitely aspects of this job that I wasn't necessarily as comfortable with. And so I was like, oh man, I don't know, but I felt like I could find the resources to support me. But I think that's the biggest thing. Like, you may not need to know everything, but as long as you're trying, you're asking for help, you're looking for the resources, like, you'll be able to make it. But also, you, you don't want to say yes to everything and then get stuck in, like, a really shitty spot and be like, yeah. what am I doing? And then you look really bad, too. So I think that's something to, there's a really fine line to consider for something like that. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. So, you know, wrapping up this piece again for this anonymous person, if, if you have additional questions and you are listening to this, reach out to Katie. I'm sure she'd be more yeah. than willing to get that. And if not, totally get it too. Hopefully this helps someone else. Yeah. But let's jump into this next anonymous question. And so again, a couple things to keep in mind with this anonymous source. So this person works at a B2B tech company. The company has between 50 to 200 employees, like, you know, mid-market. 
And this person works on a marketing team of two to five employees. Mm -hmm. So the question is, as a company, we feel community can be a key part of our marketing strategy. But just like anything else, it becomes a question of how to measure whether it's working or not. If you're just getting a community initiative going, what metrics would you focus on for the first six to 12 months? So, you know, Katie, this question builds on the first one, I kind of feel like. And so from your perspective, what metrics did you put in place early on to communicate your efforts to management? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually pulling up a PowerPoint presentation because I want to get very specific. So there's a lot of things that you can be tracking that you should be tracking. And I think it really depends on the type of community that you have. So like for a customer success community, you really want to show that you have a majority, if not all customers in the community. You really want to show how many people are participating in the webinars or masterclasses or what have you, some level of the education that you're providing. I think it also depends on is customer education participating in the community? I would actually talk with executive leadership team and see about getting some KPIs tied to the community if it is a customer community because education and product and feedback, like all of that needs to be a, like a part of the community and a supporting function for it. So I would think about those engagement, growth, all of that, super exciting. A lot of times it's more so vanity metrics. I'm more interested in like what I'm tracking right now is while I want to have large numbers for growth and engagement, I want to see like out of how many members we have, how many are actually coming into the community every day, how many are actually participating, how many messages we're getting and how many replies we're getting to threads, because that means they're having deeper conversations. And I love that. And that's what I want in the community. Yeah. Back to customer communities, though, making I these are really important. Is your customer community helping to reduce churn? Is your customer community helping to increase renewal opportunities? Is your customer community taking high-risk accounts and converting them into raving fans or great customers, whatever your terminology is. We've all got one of those of what we call our favorite customers and happy customers. So get that together. And then like two, if you have like support actions in the community, is it reducing tickets? Is it reducing ticket times? Is it getting results faster? And some of these will be kind of NPS type scores, which I'm not a big fan of because they're heavily skewed based off the people who answer them, which are the members who are usually most excited anyways. So you're not really getting the feedback from the people that are high risk. And so I would actually try and do some type of reporting around those members specifically. That's what I did at Sales Hacker was I would pull a list of people who dropped off each month and then individually message them because I'm wanting to know, like, why are people leaving? In the demand community, of course growth, engagement, event attendance? Is it new members joining? And then like you have to kind of set percentage and goals. I think that's the hardest thing. I'm a big fan of trying to get grace for like the first six months and setting a baseline off of that because everyone's community is going to be different and everyone's goals for their community are going to be different. And so it's really difficult to take you know, a support community's baseline and then hold it up against an industry community like a in it promotion's different. So of course, you're going to get different responses. So I think that's one of the hardest thing is just getting an executive buy-in on like delayed gold. But yeah, I think one of the biggest things though for showing that you're bringing in money or saving money is like influence calls, influence initial, like top of funnel type work, influence pipeline renewals, 
it's interesting because a demand community, we're not like necessarily a demand gen tool. And we're not, we're also not like a customer type tool, but we do have a customer channel. And Nick, I'm sure you've seen like there's been prospects in there that are like, hey, we're evaluating metadata. What do people think? And where we're really quirky and one of the things that I love about what we do is we let that conversation stay because I have such faith in our product and our company as a whole that I'm sure customers will come in and say the good, the bad and the great, like whatever that looks like. And I have such faith that it's going to be good responses that like, I'm not going to touch that. I want that to stay organic. But then I'm able to track that. There's a few like really cool tools like TalkBase is really great. I'm excited to keep working with them and tracking event engagement and like how many people are showing back up to my events, how many people are new, how many people are new to events and then converting to community members. But then, of course, I'm tracking everything in Salesforce around like what campaigns are the best. Eventually, I want to say, you know, we took the whole year. We tracked all of the different types of events that we did. And what we found was webinars were 30% more likely to increase renewals. So we're going to put more effort towards webinars or like customer education side. And then I'm going to say 60% of those that attended events were entered into the pipeline and made it to stage three. Therefore, I'm going to spend more time. But I think... The biggest thing is just trying to get that time to get that data so that way you can then make educated decisions and like revamp your strategy from that. So those that's like what's top of mind for me. I know that's a lot, but <laughs> that's no, no, it was really good, honestly. And you you kind of led me to my next question. But before I get to that fun fact, like so we actually have a, a community at Airmead. I it was before a lot of our time is more. <laughs> the support team is kind of using it. Customers are in there. But right before this call, we were talking about like reestablishing a community and like, what does that actually look like? And I was like, oh, this is so timely for my conversation yeah. with you because a lot of these insights help me. And I mean, I've been a part of communities. I've helped launch aspects of it more from like the event lens a little bit. But I think one of the questions that it makes me think, you know, when you talked about like a year in, like, being able to show actual like results so you know what to double down on. How long do you think it actually takes to know if the company is on the right track for the community? Like, is there like a, I don't know, magic window of saying like six months, like by six months, you should know X. Yeah, well, I think it's more so depending on what your goal is. So making sure that you have those goals pretty well solidified at the very beginning. And if your goal is like, let's do some experimentation the first three months and then from there, you know, pivot where needed and, and then reevaluate the goals. And, you know, it's going to be the, the first three months. I think for us, we saw pretty quickly kind of like how people felt about things. One of the things that's been really important for us to track is actually a feedback that we're getting from members. We've done a customer and community member survey, which is really great. Once again, it's only oftentimes only happy people, but it was awesome to see like I've worked really, really hard to try and build a level of trust within the community with me and the members. And so I get feedback all the time of, hey, can you stop using at channel? Can you stop using at like <laughs> or like, hey, I really like this. I didn't feel that it encompassed this, though. And so like I try really hard to take that feedback and make those changes. But I think whenever you're looking for like where that perfect window is to say, like, OK, we're on the right track. I don't think there's just one. I think you have to be kind of checking in on that every couple of months. I would say first month, third month, and sixth month, especially 
and figure out like it's just gut checks like here's what we did in month one is what we're doing successful is it are we measuring appropriately because i know there's been things that i've done where i'm like i don't know how to measure this and i know it's important and i know that this data is super helpful but i don't know how to measure it and so like what do i do for that and so i had to say okay well i've got to take a step back i've got to change how people sign up for this like our round tables I just have members DM me and I'm like, that's not super helpful. I hate keeping track of everything in Excel sheets. So like, you know, I need to change some of that. And that's a really good gut check to have. And then now that we're making those changes, it aligns a lot more with our goals. And so like, I feel like we're on the right path for that because I'm able to track it. I'm able to use that data to, like I said, figure out what we're going to start refocusing on over the next six to eight months. But I think that's the biggest thing is you don't want like... This is a bad analogy, but just this is what's coming straight to my mind. You don't put bleach on your hair and then you say, oh, let's just give it another 10 minutes. Let's just like it'll ruin your hair. It'll destroy it and it'll come out spaghetti and break and you'll be very upset. Instead, you keep checking on it every so every two minutes and then you're like, oh, we're at the perfect spot. Then we can do it right. Like it's better to catch problems early than let them go on, tarnish your reputation and like cause big problems long term. Same thing with community. You want to be checking in little micro micro times, block it on your calendar every three Fridays, you know, or something like that, where you just spend two hours and you just check everything and say, okay, I like this. I don't like this. I'm changing this. And if you want to give a report to your executives and you have that and you and you're comfortable and you know your information, which is going to be even more impactful later on. So that's kind of how I would run things. Yeah. No, I mean, you kind of nailed it. And I think you do a fantastic job of using feedback from the community to make adjustments because a lot of people don't actually do that. But helping this person, like, I think like one, like you have to actually use the feedback from the community. Yeah. Like you can't do it in a, in a vacuum where it's like one person. I mean, it's just kind of like leadership sometimes says marketing should be doing this, but like, they're not really in the, the weeds of what marketing is doing every day, but yeah. like, you know, they think they should call the shots. Like, why not use the feedback from the collective group? So you do a, yeah. you do a fantastic job with that. And I'm curious, like, and I mean, you don't have to share anything if there's anything that you can't share, but like, what are some new things that you're planning in 2023 for the community? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of to dovetail on the feedback and it'll explain what we're doing. I have worked so incredibly hard to own the fact that our community is driven by its members. The speakers are our members, the topics you'll see. I'll do polls every now and then of, hey, what topics are you most comfortable to speak on? And so the last two weeks, I've been following up on everyone that voted, ask, like planning everything out going into May right now on content and just trying to make it about our members and make it different. Because what I saw at Sales Hacker was I would plan all these events because our sponsors wanted us to. It wouldn't resonate super well with our members. And like... I don't know, like it just didn't feel like a community led event. It didn't, it just missed that feeling of sorts, that belonging feeling. And so with this community, it's so incredibly important for me to like really make sure it's buyer members. It's the people asking for it who are wanting it. And like on the strategic side, I know I'm going to have people show up and I know who wants to show up because they all voted on this topic. And so I can send those personalized messages saying, Hey, come and join this. So. All that to say, we tried really, really hard to make it about the members, make it what they want to hear from whom they want to hear, and also give our members an opportunity to raise their hands like in a safer spot where they may not feel as comfortable going to something more public 
quite yet. They may have some of that imposter syndrome. And this is a really good way to like help them feel supported by the community because it's the community that's going to be showing up for them. All that's to say, that is really our goal for 2023. I was going to say 2022, but this coming year. So a lot of the events, like the locations we're going, it was voted on by members. So we're going to be doing, as you know, a lot more in-person stuff. We just had our first event in Denver, which was so much fun. Uh, We're planning another event in New York, going out to Boston for HubSpot Inbound. I'm hoping to go to London and Dublin over the summer to meet some of our members. I'm really excited. And then um, we've got our big conference in October, which is going to be great and doing some stuff uh, leading up to that as well. The other thing is in our survey, we asked members what they wanted to do more of. And so the topics that came in were really unique and I could never speak to them. I'm not an expert in half things marketing. So I'm like, you don't want to hear me talk about it. So we're going to be bringing in some really interesting and unique hosts. Another thing is a lot of times our community gets bombarded with materials from marketers selling to marketers. And so I've had to do a lot of moderation in the community of like, hey, you can't put that post in here. Like certain sponsors, I'm like, I don't really, you know, I don't really want to work with you because it's not different from what our community members are, are dealing with. And so we're going to be partnering with some really unique organizations that marketer, like marketing communities wouldn't normally because it's not selling to marketers. And so what we found in the community is a lot of folks are coming from different industries. So we're going to be partnering with security and fintech and healthcare and education, ed tech and you name it, just to see like how are people doing things differently and then try and do it in, in our own industry and create different types of experiments. And so that's going to be a really new thing for us as well as different types of programming. We just launched our women in mentor, women in marketing mentorship program where we have 57 pairs, which is really exciting. And so we're going to look at actually cross collaborating with the women in revenue program so that sales and marketing could be better aligned through mentorship, which I'm excited about. So hopefully we can make that happen and a few other things, but just try things differently, you know? So we'll see. We'll see if it works out. It's all about testing. So. <laughs> it's I mean, you nailed it. It's all about testing and trying and like, you know, figuring it out as you go and like iterating on things. And I mean, right before we go, I want to kind of, you know, give you the chance, like for people that do want to join demand, like the community, like just drop it here and I'll drop it in the show notes because I do think <laughs> it's an important place for people to spend some time. So I appreciate that. Yeah. If you're interested in the demand community, you're always welcome to message me on LinkedIn or you can go and apply at demand.community. Like I shared before, it is wildly important for me to keep the trust in our community. So if you're in sales, you're not going to be let in. If you're a community manager, you're not let in. If your title is growth marketing, I'm going to email you. So look for that email. Because, Or if your title is revenue, I'm going to email you. So just look for that because it's important for me to make sure we're only letting in the right people that that really are going to get the most out of the community. And I have other communities I can reference you to. So demand.community. I actually go through and vet everyone and I send personalized links. So it may take 24 hours, it, but you'll get one if, if you're a demand gen marketer. So that's, yeah, that's it. Or Amazing. Amazing. Katie, thank you so much for joining me. And I want to give a big thank you to Motion for producing the show. And if you do have any anonymous questions, make sure to head over to motionagency.io slash anonymous as we continue to answer questions from anonymous sources and start the conversation for the larger community, which is so fitting for this. Katie, again, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure and I can't wait to share this with everyone. And we will talk to you all soon. 
Thanks, everyone. Thanks for checking out this episode of The Anonymous Marketer. For more episodes, check us out wherever you get your favorite podcasts or visit us on the web at motionagency.io slash anonymous. And finally, this show is produced by Motion, a done-for-you podcast agency for small, scrappy B2B tech marketers. To learn how you can launch and grow a podcast for your company, visit motionagency.io.